do lots of deals with my investors over and over again. So it's not about me chasing every possible nickel I can get out of it. It's about how do I service my investors as best I can. Uh, and for that, I will be compensated and appropriately over the long run. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, I've got Drew Whitson. Drew, how are you doing today? Hey, Todd. Thanks. Doing well. Awesome. Awesome. So, Drew was on our show Episode 184. 184. 84. So if you haven't listened to Drew, go back to episode 184, check it out. A uh, ton of great information on that episode. It was a blast talking to him. And uh, I wanted to bring Drew back on because I think what he's done is pretty impressive as far as building his investor list and, and among other things. But I wanted to bring him on. And, and Drew and I also um, have partnered on a few deals here. And, uh, we are, we are neighbors, which is great too. We yep. found out we were neighbors, uh, a couple of years ago and our, our daughters were biking to school together and yeah, it's been, it's been pretty cool. So Drew, Drew, why don't you give our listeners a bit about kind of your background and, um, what you're doing today? Sure. So I, uh, I, I come from kind of very traditional, not, not too surprising background. I, I started out doing single family homes uh, back when the housing crashed uh, in 2007 to 2011-ish. Um, and back then, everyone was telling me what a terrible idea it was, right? So you, you never know. I've told people over and over again, you know, no one's ever, no, if everyone agrees that your investment strategy is perfect, you're probably not, it's probably too late. Yeah. You know, you, you got to go in and find an opportunity where there's there's value that needs to be created. And and if everyone thinks it's a great idea, it probably isn't. So, um, <laughs> um, so I started in single family homes. Um, I come from a corporate finance background. I got my MBA from University of Minnesota, started in investment banking. I worked at a big retailer here in the Twin Cities doing corporate finance for a decade uh, and ran building a parallel portfolio. Um, I eventually moved into a lot of joint venture deals here in the Twin Cities. Uh, and, and then once I ran out of money, I sort of discovered syndication and started uh, raising capital from investors. And now I have been able to move away from my W2 corporate job. I just worked on uh, real estate investing for a couple of years. And, um, because I had the time available, I, I went back and I'm now a professor of finance at Bethel university in St. Paul, which is my wife and my, uh, alma mater. So I, I sort of have kind of two hats I wear. I'm, I'm a professor Whitson on one side, teaching finance, uh, teaching investments and valuation. Uh, and then I am a syndicator as well, raising capital for multifamily deals with, uh, with you, Todd. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, why, why multifamily? Why did you go from single family to multifamily and not just stay in single family? Cause it was working in single family, right? You know, one of the great things about moving into multifamily was that I could use a lot of commercial financing and commercial financing. I was able to, wasn't hitting lending limits. The banks weren't concerned about my, my debt to income. And in multifamily, the bank cares about underwriting the asset more than it cares about underwriting me. Uh, there's no personal guarantees with the commercial loans. Uh, and also I felt like I really had, it was a much easier process to buy a one 32 unit building with one boiler and one roof than it would be to possibly identify and find and close 32 single family homes. And so the scalability was there, the financing was there. Uh, and one of the great things I loved about it was the opportunity to have professional property 
management where they would take care for a, for a, a reasonable fee. They would take care of leasing up the property, making the repairs. Um, and it really allowed me to be a investor in real estate uh, without having to sort of be actively involved on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, that, that, that's the difference right there is you can be an investor in real estate versus kind of a hobbyist in real estate. Uh, single family, not that you can't do it. It just a lot more challenging, right? Uh, mm-hmm. To be a true, I would say, investor in that. So yes. yeah, definitely. definitely. Um, so syndication, you, you started doing joint ventures, you said, and then you transitioned into syndication. What everybody wants to know is, well, how do you you raise money and i wanted to get into that with you because i think you've done an impressive job and i would i would call it the non-traditional way even though it is the truly the traditional kind of way probably um so let's talk about how you've been able to scale your syndication business maybe why first did you choose the syndication route um and then let's talk let's go into that sure well uh One of the reasons I chose the syndication model was that I simply don't have enough capital to do all the great deals I see out there. I see great deals. I see great prices. And I know that there's opportunity to make money, but I don't have enough money to do all these deals. And so syndication was a way for me to continue building a portfolio um, in partnership with my investors. Uh, So I I sort of stumbled on syndication, you know, a couple of years after doing some of our joint venture deals uh, until I just realized that there was a way for me to take other uh, people's money legally uh, and use that within a structure that allows me to be compensated for the uh, putting the deals together and having them executed well. Uh, And so that was kind of one of my reasons. I just didn't have enough capital to do all the great deals and syndication allowed me to start bringing in, you know, my first syndication really was just sort of friends and family. It was people that knew that I had been working in real estate for several years, had been successful, uh, had invested in a lot of deals locally. And so for me to ask them to invest was asking them to invest alongside me in markets I'm already invested in, in the kind of deals that I already own. So it was a pretty easy request to sort of have people kind of come around me. It was sort of my first ring network. It was people that know me, um, know, had known me for a long time. And that was easy to raise capital through because they trusted me and I had already demonstrated that I was willing to take on the risk alongside them. So uh, that's, that's a huge, like, right. First step or, or nervous thing. When you talk to a lot of people who want to do this business, they like, they don't know how do I approach my friends and family and like, how do I go about doing that without offending people or without making them want to run the other way. Do you have any strategies there or take us through like maybe how you did it? What what do you think uh, on that process? Sure. So I would never think about it as you trying to get them to spend money on something. I would think about it as giving them an opportunity to follow along with you in the same investment that you're putting money in. So right away, it's one, have you demonstrated a proficiency in the market, right? I, I was, I lived in the twin cities. The deals were already in the twin cities. I had already done multiple ones. So I was, I was allowing them to participate in the deals and the kind of uh, 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 investments that I had already been part of. And I didn't think about it as me trying to get, have try to get them to spend. I wasn't selling them something. I was saying, yeah. Hey, this is an opportunity. I've done really well. Uh, I'll show you what my team is. I'll show you what kind of things we've done in the past. And it was just giving them an opportunity to say, Hey, look, I, I think this is a great deal. I'm putting my own money in it. And so it wasn't me trying to sell something. It was me saying, here's an opportunity I think that you would do really well in. Uh, and please invest alongside of me here and, and we'll work through this together. And it, it, that was a really easy thing to do because 
I didn't have to convince them. I was already a believer, right? I said, here's just the opportunity. So I was really trying to convince them uh, or just kind of educate them as to why this was a, a good uh, a good opportunity. Yeah, that's so important right there, what, what you said. So many people take the other approach where they're trying to like, I think they got to be great salespeople and they got to, yeah, they got to convince people to give me their money. And that's like totally the wrong way to do it. Right. You're, you're providing them an opportunity. They've got a, right. a, a lot of these people, they have a, they have a, they have a problem, right. They've got money that they don't know where to put. And uh, so you're coming to them with a potential solution to that problem. You're coming to them with an opportunity, something that you truly believe in, something that you're investing in yourself. You said, Hey, you know, this is a great opportunity. Come alongside me. I've got this, I've got this availability for you to do this if you would like. And mm -hmm. so it's a totally different conversation when you're saying, Hey, I need some money for this deal. <laughs> would yeah. you, will you please invest with me yeah. Yeah. in this deal? Give me money to do this deal. Yeah. Uh, the nice thing too, is you're, you're saying you're putting your own money into the deal and we can do that yes. multiple ways through syndication, right? We've got an acquisition fee, so we can mm -hmm. put that money back into the deal uh, or you can have your own money that you have in, you know, savings. Uh, I think that's really important. I get so many people that say they want to do these deals without putting any money into it. And that's a, a bigger challenge. I, I don't know. Have you done that before where you've done a deal with investors that you haven't put any of your own money into? No, I, if it's a good enough deal for my investors, it's a good enough deal for me. And so yeah. I always want to invest alongside my investors. Now there have been times where there was so much demand and I'm trying to satisfy the need that I've, I've reduced my investment in order to accommodate additional investments. Yeah. Um, but I, I always want to make sure I have some money in the deal um, to let them know that I'm, I'm a partner with them. I'm not just trying to spin off a deal and on to the next one. I, I have a long-term personal financial commitment to these deals. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's well said, right? If, if you believe in the deal, you should probably be investing. And it shows your investors too. It shows, shows the people that you have relationships with that I'm in this with you. It's not like I'm just selling you this, mm -hmm. this, you know, snake oil and going away. Right. <laughs> I'm in this with you. My money is tied just yes. like your money is tied to this property and my success yes. exactly. uh, depends on the success of the property. So exactly. Yeah, yep. for sure. So um, talk about your then approach to continue to build your investor list and your investor relationships. Sure. So I, so to date, I, I haven't done the math in a little bit, but I, I think I've raised maybe 12 or $13 million over the last couple of years. And when I look back over my investor list, it is surprisingly small. I probably have, you know, less 30 or less investors. Uh, but what I have seen is a very consistent group of people who have capital who are deployed in regular basis as long as I have the deal that seems reasonable, as long as I'm putting my own money into it. So, yeah, I mean, in, I, my, my investor list looks, you know, less than three dozen people. Um, uh, and I would say there's a couple ways that I've been able to build that. One is, as I have done really well with my existing investors, they tell their friends and their friends invest. Uh, and one of the things that I found is that you never know who has uh, who has dollars to uh, invest. Yes, uh, and true. my best investors are probably the small business owners um, in their 40s and 50s who understand risk, who are looking to get capital out of the stock market into something, an alternative asset that has some upside, it has some risk, you know, has some uh, income potential. Um, and so I, that's really kind of been my best investor. And I have, I've done a lot of these podcasts and I've solicited a lot of people 
uh, to be potential investors. But the one that, when it comes to actually having someone write you a check for a hundred thousand dollars, it's good to have a chance to meet them in person. And so nearly all my investors are local here in the twin cities, nearly all my investors. Um, I've given the opportunity to come to Memphis or take a, a, one of these trips with me. So it's, it's actually amazing how, what percentage of my investors have actually flown with me to Memphis um, in order to kind of meet the people and sort of see the things and kind of work through the deals that I have. Um, and so that's, that's been a big part of it is developing these relationships with these investors to help them sort of get them on the inside of what I'm doing. And that develops a tremendous amount of trust and some deals go better than others, but uh, even the deals that aren't going quite as well as others, I still have those investors were still willing to put dollars with me um, because they trust my process and they trust me. Uh, and we've had a, a great, uh, we've had a great run. We think we're taking good risks with their capital and they know that I'm, I'm for them and I've given them great access and exposure to what our process is. You know, you mentioned the business owners being, um, what are some of your favorite investors? I, I would yeah. agree with that because they get the risks, right? They, they ran a business, they own a business, they yes. get it. And so when things aren't going perfectly, they're the ones that are understanding, right? They're, mm -hmm. they're not, they haven't dealt, they haven't dealt with a W2, you know, just to get their <laughs> weekly paycheck or biweekly pay or whatever. They, they, they're not used to that. Yeah. And so they get it like, Oh, guys, you know, the distribution this month might be a little less because of X, Y, or Z, or this is happening to the property. They're like, Hey, thanks for letting me know and uh, keep up the good work. Yep. The other people potentially are like, ah, what's going on? You know, yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> I'm going to lose all my money. You yeah, know, it should be steady. Oh, what's happening? <laughs> sell, sell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so that, that definitely my favorite investors are, are the business owners. Cause they're like, Hey, yeah, I, I've been here before. You know, I get it. Yep. So yep. keep up the good work and, uh, you know, what, what, what type of actions are you taking? Oh, okay, perfect. Let's, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah it, it takes time to build things. It takes time to execute. Uh, and it takes a little bit of patience and we're not buying. If, if this was easy and fast and quick and guaranteed, you know, everyone to be doing this, but it's not, it's hard. It's difficult. It takes consistency. It takes thoughtfulness. Um, and to the extent I can continue to demonstrate that we're doing that on every investment I own, whether it's doing really well um, or doing, you know, it's, a, it's a little bit slow to get ramped up. Um, as long as we're doing that, I think that we're in the right business in the long run that these assets will do well uh, and will appreciate and we will get a fantastic risk adjuster return for our investors, uh, regardless of the deal. So what you just said there is, um, I think really important for people to really understand is the, what you said shows the investors that you truly understand your your reasoning for investing in multifamily and that you truly understand the risk of multifamily, the opportunity of multifamily. And that's important. That's so important. Some people don't really, I, I don't think they understand it. They just see it as a money-making opportunity and they don't really understand what you just said there. And so like, if people won't want to rewind that, that, that was really important because you talked about, you know, the risk of what could happen, that it's a lot of hard work that we're being diligent in, you know, making sure the asset is running properly, but you know, someone might not ramp up as quickly. And, and, and that you believe though, in the long-term effects of multifamily and the strength of it. And that's so important to be able to explain to your investors because they're wondering the, the same questions as you just answered right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's not about, I mean, the business plan is ever about raising rents. 
right? It's never about, oh, we're going to buy this and just raise rents. And it's, it's about how do you strategically manage your capital deployment? How do you tackle deferred maintenance? How do you run an expense line item? How do you finance it correctly? How do you manage your working capital, right? You are running a very large, complex uh, debt heavy cash flow intensive business. And so you need to be well versed across, across the entire P and L across the entire financing, the property management, the capital deployment. Um, it's never just about finding opportunities to raise rent. It's about building an entire business to create cash flow and value. Uh, and if you are considering investing with a syndicator, they should be able to articulate all of those points very well across the board. It's never a, well, rents are below market. We're going to raise rents and everything's going to be cheery and fine, right? There's a lot of components that have to go into this. So while I encourage people to get into this business, you need to make sure if you're looking to invest that you're partnering with syndicators that have an ability to articulate these kinds of risks, have the experience, have this sort of wherewithal and uh, visibility to what's happening in the industry in order to have this deal execute, not just good, but excellent. And, and there's a big difference between that. Um, th this business has a lot of tailwinds uh, that help. You can be, you can be kind of a yo-yo and still be sometimes successful in this business, but it's the people that can take that business plan and execute well consistently across every facet to make this investment strong. Um, and those are the ones who really separate themselves and will do well in the long run. Yeah, so so valuable. And you, like you said, I mean, this business is sometimes a yo-yo that's got tailwinds. I mean, a lot of people can get in this business and do well as long as the market yeah. allows them to, right? They they can still make a lot of mistakes and still look like they know what they're doing. But yep. the true test is when times get rocky, how are their investments doing? And if you're just focusing on solely raising rents, we're only looking at that aspect, as you said. You, you, right. Potentially, can you be successful? Yeah, if the tailwinds are right, but if they're not, um, and that was your only focus, well, that, yep. that's it. You're you're done, right? You're not yep. you're not going to make any money on the, yep, on the deal. Exactly. And your investors' money's at risk. So, yep. um, you have not been huge on uh, social media. You've not been huge on being a part of a ton of podcasts. You've been on some but you haven't been like all over the map. Um, you, you don't have your own podcast. You don't have your own YouTube channel. Um, <laughs> you, you, you're not an Instagram, uh, you know, whatever you star and none of that stuff. You don't think this face could be a social media influencer? I, I didn't say you can't, Instagram I, didn't, can't be, I didn't say you can't be, by the way. <laughs> your wife thinks you're beautiful. That's right. Um, <laughs> So, so with, with that though, how, how do you grow your, how do you grow your investor list? Like what, what are you doing to build relationships yep. and then to sustain and grow those relationships? What, what kind of things can other people do to replicate kind of what you, cause not everybody, by the way, not everybody wants to have their own podcast. They don't want to be all over social media. They don't right. want to write blogs all the time. Yep. They don't want to do some, there's a lot of people that don't want to do all that. Yep. And so what do you say to them? Yeah. Well, I tell them to take a step back and say, look in the world of private equity, which is what you and I operate in, in, in the, in the investment world of private equity, um, it is the exception that people build YouTube channels and podcasts and sort of bright books, ebooks. You know, there there is a lot of noise that comes out of 
this business from a very, very small group of people, right? The Joe Fairlesses and the Michael Blancs and the Grant Cardones. You, you sort of think these guys sort of rule the roost in terms of dollar spent and doing deals. But I can tell you all these guys, everyone you've ever heard of on podcasts is probably doing low single digits as a percent of the industry. Yeah, right? These yeah. guys compose a very small percent and usually kind of on the small side of the deal structure as a whole, if you look across the whole yeah. um, real estate dollar wise. So there's a, it's, there's it's a funny that you said that because somebody uh, wrote on bigger pockets and they mentioned a few of the, of the names. Right. And yeah. they said, you know, how do, who do, who can I talk to that aren't the biggest names in the industry like and they mentioned a couple of names and I looked at those names and I kind of laughed because I'm like, well, first of all, th those aren't even big names within like the, no. the podcast world, but, it, <laughs> but outside of that, they're not even like, they're not big names period because you look at the big names and they've got 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 units yeah. under management. I mean, they're yeah. to totally different ball game. Right. And they raise capital professionally through invoice broker dealer networks. They have, they, they truly, most of this private equity is private. And so the tiny little bit that you're sort of that peeks through in these podcast world is very small. So one thing I always tell people is look, most of this business, high 90% of this business doesn't work through the channels that you sort of see, right? So all the noise comes from review small players. So most of private equity comes, it's private, it's very private, uh, which is the reason you've never heard of all the big players in this business. And you don't see yeah. their websites and they don't do podcasts or books because they operate in a more traditional private equity manner. So that's the first thing I say is, look, it's, this is doing a podcast as a, or all those sort of social media things is a great way to do it if you can do it well. Yeah. And you have to figure out how you separate yourself from all of the noise that already exists and you have to do it authentically. And that's the thing that I, I'm always reminding people yeah. is you have to, if, if someone's going to write you a check for $100,000 of their hard-earned money to buy a leveraged asset out of state, you know, you, they really have to know and understand and they have to trust who you are. Um, or you have to demonstrate an incredible level of capacity, an incredible level of competency. Um, and my suspicion uh, is that it's not because you created a nice, slick, cool looking website, right? Everyone starts their own thing and they create a website and it's all, they're all sort of named similar. They're all like blue steel, you know, capital equity partner holdings, L, you know, gray stone something, right? They're all these sort of iterations yep. of a couple different words. Yep. And just because you have a great website doesn't mean you're a great investor and it doesn't mean that people are going to connect with you. So I always tell people, if you want to go down the social media route and create a platform, make sure that is, that is a natural extension of who you are and that, that is a authentic way for you to connect with people. And you look at someone like Michael Blanc, like that guy does that well. I know I think of like Todd, like you do this really well as well. You know, you have really authentic, good ways of connect and building a platform. But if you're doing it inauthentic, inauthentically, it's never going to work. And so for yeah. me, being authentic is getting to meet people one-on-one, -on -one, building a small local network that I can, we can do closing dinners and go out. We can grab coffee. I can invite them to go on my, on my business trips. And so for me, I really appreciate the private side of private equity, and I appreciate the ability to get a small group of consistent investors that will be with me deal after deal after deal for years to come. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, I I, I mean, that's the thing is is as you said, like most people coming in this business, they they see what's what's public what's out there what's published right. so they're seeing the podcast they're seeing this stuff and and they're being told to do that because it's worked for you know so the people that they see but how you're doing it here here's the thing that i'll say 
my investors, the large majority of my investors I have met personally, mm -hmm. large majority of my investors I know fairly well. Yep. There are some of my investors that I have, and there, there's plenty of them still, but there's, there's investors that I've met through my podcast, but my consistent investors mm -hmm. that do every deal, they're investors that I have known for a while that I've met, that we mm -hmm. went to, went to dinner, went to lunch, you know, that type of stuff. So those are always stronger connections and they're going to be your consistent investors that are going to do every deal with you. Now, there are some times where somebody has just this great connection. They've heard me enough through podcasts. They're like, wow, I really like what this person has to say. We have a great conversation on the phone, maybe a couple great conversations, and they decide to invest a good chunk of money with me. That happens. But for the most part, it's that relationship building like you talk about. You want that one-on-one. -on -one. How often yeah. are you talking with and meeting with these investors of yours? Is Do you have it set to where you're doing it on a certain consistency? Is it more just natural how, when, when it works? Do you, how do you do that? Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't have a CRM tool and I, I probably should, I probably should be more consistent, but because I only have 30 investors, it's pretty organic in terms of how I connect with them. Um, I see them uh, at, you know, whether we do little events or I do, we've done enough deals that I've been able to connect with them on a pretty regular basis. Um, and I, I probably should get, at least get a minimum of a website up. Right. So I'm, I'm not saying what I'm doing is, is the best way to do it. Right. I, I know that there's value in having some of those, at least if someone Googles you, it shows up as a plat, you know, your name shows up with something. Right. So um, I, I certainly should be, can, you know, want to be connecting regularly with them. Um, one of the reasons I don't, another reason I don't build these big platforms um, is because I, as I think I said earlier, I want to be an investor in real estate. I don't want a job in real estate. I have a job. I'm, I, I get to teach finance and valuations and cool Excel tricks to my, my finance students. And I love doing that. So I'm not looking to, I'm not looking for something else to sort of provide some iteration. Yep. And I think the other thing, Todd, that I've really been able to benefit from is being able to develop really good uh, partners. And as I look back on every multifamily I did from my very first fourplex up until I mean, I'm knocking on about 2,800 units right now of multifamily properties. Every one I've done with at least one or two partners. Every one I've been able to partner with you on a bunch of deals and potentially more um, other local guys here with uh, Andrew Niffen. I mean, whether in different groups. And so having an ability to develop great relationships to say, hey, look, let's partner together. You bring some capital, I'll bring some capital. And, you know, I, it's certainly our investor, our investor network overlaps quite a bit. And so that really brings it to be a good, powerful tool is it's not just me doing this, right? It's me and Todd and Matt Bronner and Drew Niffen and my, you know, and, and all these sort of different equity partners that we can bring value to the deal. We can sort of work together. So yeah. I don't think of myself as just an Island. Um, I think of myself as someone who's looking for partners that I can work together to find, you know, to find capital and find deals together. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, it's um, really valuable when you're looking at these multifamily larger, especially these larger deals. I mean, it's, can you take down a 200 or even, you know, I, I took down a 120 unit deal myself, uh, brought my own investors in, did the whole deal myself. But now that I've been partnering a lot more, it's just, I see so much more value mm -hmm. in bringing on these partners to, uh, I think it, I think I'm taking care of my investors in a better way. 
-hmm. by having partners in on the general partnership, right? I'm not the only one looking at everything I've got. I I might be focusing on like on this last deal we did uh, or are doing my, one of my bigger focuses on is on the construction, but I'm also looking over other things. And the same thing with you guys are looking over everybody's kind of tasks, I guess you're kind of overseeing everything. So we've got more checks and balances in place. We've, we've got more ideas, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I've got an idea and somebody else has a better idea or an idea that adds on to my idea and mm-hmm. we can all succeed in this together. And I think it just, it provides a lot more balance in the ecosystem and it's, it's so valuable. I, I agree. I've, I've often had my investors say, well, why don't you just why don't you just do this yourself? You certainly could. And I tell them, while I would probably personally make more money doing deals without partners, I can tell you it's better for my investors if I have multiple people like a Todd doing a deal with me because he thinks he has different experiences than I have. And their money is better off. My investors will be better off if I take on partners. And in the long run, if they do better, I'll do better. I'm not trying to we're not trying to hit grand slams every time. I just want to build yeah. a long-term business with, that I can do lots of deals with my investors over and over again. So it's not about me chasing every possible nickel I can get out of it. It's about how do I service my investors as best I can. Uh, and for that, I will be compensated and appropriately over the long run. Yeah. I mean, look, if we can do, you know, 10 base hits and a, and a double and a, you know, maybe a triple, yeah. That's, that's Great. better than one home run, two yep. home runs. Like, yeah. A- yep. And a couple strikeouts, right? That's true. <laughs> so yeah, uh, exactly. awesome. Uh, well, I think one thing I want people to really take out of this is the relationship building aspect that drew you bring to your investors. You mentioned the investor dinner. I know after every closing you bring your investors together and have a dinner with them. Uh, you, your investors go to lunch or have coffee or whatever with you and you build true relationships with your investors. And I think so that's lacking it with so many people that try to go the platform route. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't really, they don't really treat their investors as, um, more than just a transaction, right? It's, right. It's, they're not building a relationship. So well, that's what they're going to get. They're going to get a transaction. They're going to get a lot of people that don't ever do the transaction because they don't feel that connection. Maybe they felt the connection when they heard them on somebody else's podcast or they heard their podcast, but maybe they either stopped listening to their podcast or they they haven't heard from them in a long time uh, because they didn't, you know, they, they listened to the one podcast when they're on you know, Michael Blanc's podcast, like yeah. they heard them and they're like, oh, I connect with that person. So they connect yeah. with them. They have this great conversation. And then when's the next investment come up? Well, maybe it's six right. months down the road. Well, if you don't invest in that, you never hear from them again. And all of a sudden they never invest. Right. You're right. doing it differently. You're building relationships. You've got a small amount of investors, but that's so impressive because so, so many people have, you know, 300 investors and they're not even able to raise as much money as you are with the 300 investors because none of them have relationships with them. That's what I want people to really gather out of this is you've got to build strong relationships. You've got to make sure you're paying attention to your investors and taking care of them. And really one of the ways that you can do that is letting your investor know that you're looking out for them by, 
you know, uh, I, I actually, I recently had a, a conversation with an investor who was um, well capitalized, looking to invest, and they had a large amount they wanted to put in. And I had said, look, I, I appreciate that large amount of capital you want to invest, but I would be more comfortable if you put in a smaller amount because mm. I want to make sure this is the, this is the first time they've invested in these kinds of deals. I said, I want to make sure you are comfortable with the communication, the investment. I said, I, I appreciate the confidence and being able to, to, to put some capital into this deal, but I want to make sure this is a good fit for you. And so I often encourage people, my first time investors to say, look, why don't you just put the minimum in on this deal yep. and then see if this works for you. And then we'll, we'll I'll let you put in more later. Or I'll say, look, you know, uh, I'm working on a deal right now. Why don't I just follow along? No pressure. We'll just go through this deal. Uh, you won't invest and then we'll get you on the next one. And so I'm oftentimes trying to communicate to my investors, um, trying to slow them down if they're excited. Um, I'm yeah. trying to sort of make sure that I know it's appropriate. For, so I'm always trying to communicate that I'm thinking what their best interest is. And I've had investors that I say, look, I'm just not, I don't think this is a good fit for you. Like, I don't want your last $50,000 in yeah. your college kids fund, right? right? So I, right. I try to filter my investors. So I tell some people, no, I say, I want you to slow down and do a smaller amount. Or I say, let's, let's, let's do it later. And I think that helps develop a lot of trust with them. And it, it makes sure that I have the right 30 people in my, in my investor list as well. So there's a lot of yeah. things you can do to make sure that you truly treat these as not just uh, dollars coming in, but it's a long-term partnership and that you can communicate that you're trying to look out for them, even if it means taking less money for them, or even if it means telling them, why don't you wait till the next deal and then we'll get you on board and we'll just get, we'll spend some time together and get you comfortable with what I'm doing and educated so that they know what they're doing um, when the next opportunity comes around. Well, I think that does a couple of things. First of all, it builds that trust, right? They, they respect you because you're not just, they, they see that you're not just trying to grab their money, right? So yes. they want to invest 300K and you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. How about, how about we do 50K on this yes. deal? Not 300. Yes. Let's, yeah. let's look at the next deal after that, or maybe yeah. even after that one to put a bigger yep. chunk in. So they see that, they respect that, that you're trying to protect their money. And I think the other thing too, especially is if you're, if you're um, telling them that they can't invest in a deal or they can only invest 50K is you're giving them that desire to invest in the next deal. They're, they're mm -hmm. missing out on this first deal. And they're like, I really want to put my money in the next deal. And so I think you're also just helping build and strengthen that relationship yep. uh, and getting them hungry to do the next deal. For sure. Yep. Absolutely. Cool. Uh, well, Drew, uh, anything else that you want to leave our listeners with as far as raising money or, or really any uh, last words? Yeah. I mean, uh, one of the most effective things that I have done is been able to meet people in person and I appreciate zoom and I appreciate phone calls. Uh, but simply just getting yourself out there, um, and trying to figure out, um, getting yourself in front of people as, uh, being able to communicate your story and what you're an expert in. Um, if you're trying to raise capital, I've spoken at a lot of meetup events. That's been very effective for me raising money. Um, I've been on a lot of podcasts and it's not effective for me raising money, right? So it's, it's the chances to get out and have conversations with uh, investors, meet them in person, have them get to know you and just be authentic. Um, yeah. Be authentic, be who you are because you can't out Grant Cardone, Grant Cardone. You can't out Michael Blanc, Michael Blanc, right? And you, no one can be Todd. So don't try to replicate other people's success. Be authentic to who you are uh, and find ways that reflect your personality because that is what uh, will attract capital um, to you and will get those investors trust. I like it. I love it. Well, Drew, thanks. I appreciate you joining us again on the show. And uh, again, anybody who wants to listen to, to Drew's first episode, 
Um, tons of great information on that show. That's episode 184. Go back and take a look and, and listen to that too. So Drew, you have a fantastic rest of the day. Great. Thank you, Todd. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. But your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like, uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out. And, uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.